Undeceptions podcast. The West is balkanizing. We are fracturing, not along ethnic lines as such, but certainly along cultural lines. Imagine a DeLorean time machine car appears outside your house this year and you get in and you're told that you're going to 2052 to see what the future looks like. You arrive and you see what it actually looks like 30 years from now. Do you want that future? What would you do to get there or to get away from that future? That's what we're going to find out. How about this? The United Kingdom has had three Prime Ministers in 45 days. The late Queen of England, Elizabeth II, reigned for 70 years and welcomed 15 Prime Ministers into office. She welcomed the last one, a woman also called Elizabeth, just two days before she died, age 96. 44 days later, that new Prime Minister was an ex-Prime Minister, forced to resign due to a disastrous economic plan. Two Elizabeths in power, then both gone in quick succession. Now, Queen Elizabeth welcomed her first Prime Minister in 1952, and that was Sir Winston Churchill. Churchill was born in 1875 during the reign of Queen Victoria. Now, Queen Victoria was proclaimed Empress of India back in 1877, a move by Parliament then to try and bind India even closer to the Empire. The new Prime Minister in 2022, Rishi Sunak, has been welcomed into office by the new King, Charles III. Rishi Sunak is 42. His Hindu parents migrated from East Africa in the 1960s. He will be the first non-Caucasian Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. The monarchy that once ruled India is now welcoming a Prime Minister who is ethnically Indian. A lot can happen in 150 years or 45 days for that matter. Now let's not laugh at their dilemma. Why did I put all that in there? When it comes to political churn, the rest of us in the West don't seem to be doing much better than the United Kingdom. Back in 1983, my family had just returned to Australia from living in the UK. I was in high school. A new Prime Minister called Bob Hawke was sworn in. In 2007, some 24 years later, I once again returned to Australia from the UK. But this time, I was a married man of 40 years of age. I had a daughter and another child on the way. But between 1983 and 2007, those 24 years, there were only three Prime Ministers in Australia. We just assumed that a leader took office and stayed and stayed. How wrong we were. In the 15 years since 2007, The Prime Ministership in Australia has changed no less than seven times. That's down from an eight-year average to a smidgen just over two. And the United States of America? Well, they have four-year terms for the presidency, so at least that's stable. But that hasn't stopped the churn of politics. Congress and Senate in turmoil. January 6th, protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. 
both red and blue carrying signs saying, not my president. Many self-identifying Democrats say that they don't have any Republican friends and vice versa. Not because they don't know any, but because they don't want to know any. Increasingly, the language we use to describe those on the other side of the political fence to us is not attributed to their intellectual capacity, but their moral culpability. Opponents are not wrong, they are bad. Ideas are not unworkable, they are evil. We distrust politics and we despise politicians. We promote one person or party only to tear them down when they don't perform how we want them to. And the gap between promoting and tearing down is growing shorter and shorter. So where's it all going? It doesn't sound like it's going in a good direction, does it? And it's all being played out against a backdrop of two bellicose leaders in Russia and China. And they're both one-party states. One-person states, in fact. Personality states. You can say what you like about dictatorships, but it gets stuff done. Bad stuff, admittedly, but stuff nonetheless. (laughs) Meanwhile, here we are in the West, milling about, chopping and changing all the time, trying to bend a piece of metal and make sure it doesn't snap. But clearly, our political churn in the West is a sign of something deeper, and I would say it's a deeper cultural churn. The late conservative commentator Andrew Breitbart once made the memorable statement, politics is downstream of culture. And now that's quoted by just about everybody, including me. And you don't have to be a conservative or a progressive to realise that it's true. If the politics is churning, look upstream. Look at what is happening culturally that is driving that churn. In one sense, Breitbart was only recognising from a conservative position what those from a progressive position had long assumed and been able to capture. And it's this. The stories we tell ourselves, the stories that are told to us, shape us far more than anything else does. And culture is a really good way of doing it. Not just high culture, but pop culture too. Now, culture is an elusive word, a coverall for so much, but whether I read from the left or the right of politics, it really does ring true. Our cultural stories are churning. So too then, downstream, are our politics. Who are we? Who gets to decide? What does it mean to flourish as a human? What does it even mean to be a human? Once, when it came to answering those questions, We were all singing from roughly the same hymn sheet for a very long time in the West. And I'm using the term hymn sheet deliberately. Even if we were not Christian in the West, we were not Christian in a, how shall I put it, a very Christian way. There was a wide ecumenism that admitted that we're all sharing roughly a common goal for society, roughly an equal idea of what human flourishing and human morality looks like, whether or not we actually aligned with that ourselves. The story that Christianity gave us was the pole star. Now, some of us were closer to it, others not so close, some heading towards it and some away, but it was there nonetheless. Now, that is no longer true. The pole star is fading 
and with it, the gravity that propels or repels us. In her interesting new book, Strange Rites, New Religions for a Godless World, Vox Magazine's religious editor, Tara Isabella Burton, maps the religious fracturing of the West and the rise of what she calls the religious remixed. And she's saying that contrary to what the rationalists and humanists were hoping, we're just as religious as ever, just in a very different way. Now, Burden is not simply interested in what a religion is. There are bullet points that could answer that. She's more interested in what a religion does. In short, and it's worth reading her book, she focuses on four things, meaning, purpose, community, and ritual. That's the framework. Burden says that this fourfold search is impossible to kill off, even in the West. She observes that the decline in institutional religion has coincided with this internet age. Now, that's causation or correlation. We can argue that another day. But we've got the ability to self-craft our religions. And at the same time, there's a rise in desire for those four things. We want to do religion. We have the technology to meet our desires, and we own the platform to cobble bespoke religious identities that often don't look very religious in the traditional sense. But they do fulfill religion's quadrant functions. Remember them? Meaning, purpose, community, and ritual. And they do so intuitionally, not institutionally. Institutions are letting us down, so it's best to stick with intuitions, so it seems. And not just religious institutions letting us down. That's the point, isn't it? Political ones too. Any monolith in our culture is starting to fracture, and it's splintering into a kaleidoscope of colour and identity. And Burden puts it like this. The refractory nature of these new intuitional religions, each one at its core a religion of the self, risks creating an increasingly balkanized American culture, one in which our desire for personal authenticity and experiential fulfillment takes precedence over our willingness to build coherent ideological systems and functional, sustainable institutions. When we are all our own high priests, who is willing to kneel? Now that's a killer last line, isn't it? When we are all our own high priests, who is willing to kneel? It sums us up so much, doesn't it? And perhaps it means this. If in a religious sense, we're all our own priests, then perhaps politically, we are all our own presidents or prime ministers, fracturing and refracting, longing for intuitional politics as much as we long for intuitional religions, becoming our own means to do what we like, power in our hands. Tara Burton says the rise of the self-focused wellness culture in the West is linked to this intuitional drive. So the failure of the political system to predict and then deal with Donald Trump led to a deepening dismay and a distrust of institutions. And she observes this, if our trusted sources of authority couldn't predict Trump's election, why shouldn't we fall back on more immediate sources of authority? Our feelings, our wants, our physical needs. <laughs> Turns out, you do you is a necessity these days, not a luxury. Yet let's revisit that term she used of where the United States, and the rest of the West I would think, is at politically. Balkanised. 
And that's a word which comes, no surprises for guessing, from the Balkans. Now Google it if you don't know it. Technically, the Balkans is a region in southern central Europe, and it includes Turkey, and it includes the former Yugoslavian nations. And that last fact is instructive. Balkanization technically means the division of a multinational state into smaller, ethnically homogenous groups. But in the bloody aftermath of the war that fractured Yugoslavia, it's taken on a more menacing idea. Ethnic division led to ethnic conflict, which led to as a yet unfinished war crimes trial in The Hague. And the West is balkanizing. We are fracturing, not along ethnic lines as such, but certainly along cultural lines. And if we are all our own high priests, and no one is willing to kneel, and we are all our own prime ministers and presidents, and no one is willing to cede, then how do we get other people to do what we want them to do? There's only one way, power. Everything in the West will be reduced to a power struggle. And that, from where I sit, seems to be where we are headed. Now, no one thinks the worst effects of balkanization could happen to them, not in the West at least. But one of the bywords, the horror stories of balkanization in the European setting, is Sarajevo. Sarajevo was a strategic city in Bosnia. Bosnia was one of those ethnic microstates within the fracturing Yugoslavia. And it's famous, or perhaps infamous, for experiencing the longest city siege in modern warfare. 1,425 days. That's 1,425 days of horror, death and bombardment. That is what Sarajevo became known for. But it wasn't always known for that across the globe. Sarajevo hosted the 1984 Winter Olympics at a time when the city was in its prime, economically and culturally. Yet by the 1994 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, Sarajevo was atop the podium for all the wrong reasons. It was a gold medalist in the balkanization stakes. Now granted, it has survived and is now indeed thriving, but what a harrowing journey. Now, it's easy to look at Eastern Europe and think, well, that can't happen to us. But balkanization doesn't begin with political fracturing. It begins with cultural fracturing. It begins with seeing the other as not only wrong, but evil. And depersonalizing one's opponent, making them the enemy. Perhaps we seem a long way from that. Opposition MPs on both sides of the UK Parliament did indeed express outrage at the murders of a Labour MP, Joe Cox, and a Conservative MP, Sir David Amos, in recent years. Yet one of the sci-fi movies of the century so far, in fact, I'll go as far as saying one of the best movies of the century so far, is Children of Men. You must see it. In Children of Men, the UK itself is balkanised. Life is cheap, the country is split into warring tribes along county borders, bombs explode in London cafes regularly. It seems so outrageous, so impossible. Yet, as with all good near-future sci-fi, it's always just within the realms of possibility. It takes an idea 
and projects it forward. If culture is upstream of politics, and if cultural balkanization is a thing, then politics downstream has some serious heavy lifting to do to ensure that we don't get there. So what can we do about this? Nadija Mijajic was a teenager during the siege of Sarajevo. In her first memoir of the war, 10,000 Shells and Counting, she recalls life before balkanization. She says this, The neighbourhood felt like a family, and like every family there were dysfunctions and disagreements, but everyone knew you could count on each other. Being a Muslim, a Croat or a Serb was never a source of contention, rather being a bad neighbour was. Surely the Western world is nowhere near as divided as Muslim, Croats and Serbs were back then. But look at what kept them together. What stopped the divide and the churn? It wasn't conformity, was it? What does Nadija say? There were dysfunctions and disagreements. There's a zealotry in the West today that demands purity. No dysfunctions, no disagreements, but a sort of suffocating conformity. And it's arriving at exactly the same time that we're fracturing culturally. And when the prevailing spiritual view is that everyone is their own priest, who will kneel? Who will give way? No one, clearly, not by choice. Perhaps the clue is in her observation that the main concern in Sarajevo was not which ethnic group you belong to, but whether you were a good neighbour or not. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus had stuff to say about neighbourliness and what made a good one. The story of the Good Samaritan is a case in point. Or for Croats, it's probably the story of the Good Serb. Or for Serbs, the story of the Good Muslim. Or in my case growing up, in Northern Ireland, the story of the Good Catholic. Now, Jesus is not naive. He acknowledges that we have enemies as well as neighbours. And how are we to respond to our enemies? What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. And why do we do that? Because that's what Jesus did. Central to our intuitional religion is the idea that we and we alone are okay and perhaps those who agree with us. And that somehow our selfishness is warranted our rejection of others is simply our way of getting rid of those negative people in our lives. And those who disagree with us, or are in our terms dysfunctional, they are enemies worth despising. Never before have we had so many opportunities for conflict while having so few tools to deal with conflict. It's balkanization all the way down if we're not careful. The beauty of the movie Children of Men is its final scenes. Now this is a spoiler, but the premise of the story is that women across the globe have stopped giving birth. There are no children. Wombs are empty. Schools are empty. Playgrounds are empty. Hearts are empty. Hope is empty. This childlessness is emblematic of the deadly balkanization of the whole of the UK. And that's what the movie is trying to deal with. And into the blood, 
the fighting and the sheer brutality of war, a child is born, an actual child. And as that child is carried out of a shrapnel shredded building, soldiers lower their guns, wonder crosses their faces, tenderness fills their hearts, hope for the future, a better future is rekindled. As the children of men stop focusing on themselves and see their desperate need for something outside themselves to bring them back together. A child is born to the children of men and for a brief moment the churn stops. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament part of the Bible says this of Jesus Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is the man who halts the dreaded balkanization process overtaking us. He stops the churn. He brings warring parties together. He does the ultimate good for his cultural, political and spiritual enemies. He dies for them. And I think that makes him someone worth kneeling before. An Undeceptions podcast.